Welcome to Hope Church, Easter 2022. He is risen. Now you guys got it. You believe it? Man, I hope you do because I believe God has some resurrection life for some of us this morning. And I'm excited to bring you that message. I just want to start out welcoming all those who are joining us online uh, once again. And uh, hey, uh, you guys are the brave ones coming out in the snow, in the sleet, and all of the, the white stuff. I was, I was thinking as we were singing that song, uh, The Fount, you know, um, the power in the blood and everything. And I, I was reminded of that scripture that says, even though your sins are like scarlet, I shall make them as white as snow. And I think, you know, nothing happens, uh, nothing happens uh, by circumstance. God, he's, he's in charge. He's sovereign over everything. And even though I don't like the weather, and, and by the way, for those of you who are newer to Montana, welcome to Easter in Montana. And for those of you snowbirds who came back thinking you, you, you made it past the winter, welcome to our suffering. You, you, are, you are joining with us in our pain. And... Uh, but no, seriously, though, I, I just think, you know, God, just when I saw that, that snow, that fresh fallen snow, I woke up this morning hoping to see a beautiful sunrise over those mountains and, and just, a, you know, blue sky and, and what, we, what we hope for. I think it even goes along with the message that God put on my heart to share with you this morning on this Easter Sunday. And that is that sometimes we put our hope and dreams into things that uh, have to die in order for God's life and power uh, and resurrection life to bring us into the things that God has for us. And so um, I'm, just, I'm just so grateful to be here, so grateful to be able to worship. We couldn't do this a couple of years ago. And, and one, one of the things that that season taught me is to hold this so much dearer and closer to my heart. You know, there's just something so special about getting to worship together. And so I'm just so glad that you're here. I really love Easter. I love everything about Easter, except for the snow part and, and the cold. But um, I've got fond memories of Easter as a kid. You know, love me some uh, Reese's peanut butter eggs. Come on, can I get an amen, somebody? I think I still have some peeps from the 80s in my, in my closet somewhere. Or they're kind of like Twinkies, you know. I, don't, I have no idea what they're made of. They might even be aliens from another planet. Uh, but, you know, I think they've got a shelf life of like 20 years. God only knows what they make those things of. Uh, peeps don't like them. But, you know, some people are into that stuff. But I love, I love Easter. I love everything that Easter represents, you know. Even the eggs. A lot of people say, hey, do, we, do you guys have to do the eggs? Doesn't kind of take away from the day. But even in the eggs, there's, there's something spiritual. There's a spiritual lesson in, in an egg. You know, that there's new life inside of it. And yet for that new life to come forth, it has to kind of break through the darkness and, and come out of this, this uh, tomb, if you will, come out of this grave that, that the life is inside of it, but it has to burst through. And that's really the heart of the message that God has put on my, my heart to share with you today is that for a lot of us, we've been, I've been taking us through, if you've been a part of Hope Church, you've been on this journey with us up, leading up to Easter in this message series that we call Via Dolorosa. And for a lot of you who are not familiar with that term, the Via Dolorosa literally was the road that Jesus took to the cross. And so as we've been preparing our hearts for Easter, we've been following each week a step that Jesus took to the cross. And today, I just want to tell you that as we end the journey, uh, we, we're going to see that the journey began in a garden 
And the journey doesn't end in a tomb. It ends in a garden, and the end is just the beginning. And so for a lot of us, um, we, we know the story of Easter. We know all about Jesus. We've heard the story. We've been to Easter services before. But we don't understand the depth of what Jesus accomplished, not only through his death and his burial, but most importantly, through his resurrection and what that means for you and for me. I believe every Easter is an invitation into more and more of the resurrection life and power that Jesus died and rose again to give you and me. And yet for a lot of us, we're not living in that life. In fact, for a lot of us, maybe on this Easter, you find yourself in the opposite place. You find yourself in a dark place, where your life just isn't working and you're trying and you're trying to change your life but nothing seems to be working. It, it seems like your life keeps hitting these dead ends, if you will. And today is an invitation from Jesus to enter in and get out of that grave and to come into a garden with him, a beautiful place. And so we're gonna pick up the journey uh, in Luke chapter 24. I wanna read to you a little bit about the Easter story, and the title of this whole passage is in Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, is Jesus has risen. I love what, I love what Augustine said. Augustine said, we are Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. Come on, how many of you are grateful that? How many of you are grateful that we're Easter people? That we don't just get to celebrate the resurrection once a year, we get an invitation for Jesus to live in the resurrection life that he gave us. And so um, before I get preaching, I want to read to you the passage of scripture. Jesus has risen. And on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And now um, it's important to note that when they buried Jesus, they did it very quickly because Passover was coming and the Jewish leaders did not want a dead body hanging on a cross. Normally, the Romans would leave people that were crucified hanging there as a symbol and as a, as a fear tactic for, for people to, you better get in line because this is what can happen to you. But they gave permission for a, name, a man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was a secret follower of Jesus because he was one of the religious leaders uh, in that same group of religious leaders that had him killed. But they had to prepare the body and put him in the grave quickly. And so now you see uh, Mary and Martha want to come and they want to beautify, if you will, the dead Jesus in, in the grave. And so um, verse 2, they found the stone. When they got there, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now this in itself would be impossible because the sheer weight of the tomb and the way that uh, tombs were made, they were carved into the sides of hills or rocks and the, the stone would be a round stone that would be tilted like this, very heavy. Once it's sealed, almost impossible to reopen. And so they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes gleamed like lightning and stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground but the man said to them, and this is so significant, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Come on, I could drop the mic right there. Come on. And, and we could call it good. 
But I believe I got a word to encourage you with this morning. Remember how he told you while he was with you still in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And look at verse 8. Then they remembered his words. They forgot. In verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others, and it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the mother of James, and the others with them who told the, the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you that we can experience your presence because of what Jesus did on the cross. That because in his, one of his final breaths, when he shouted those words, it is finished. And in that moment, the veil in the temple tore in two from top to bottom, representing there is no more separation from us and the life that you want to give us through your presence. God, I pray that your presence would touch every single person here, their heart today, that you would open up our hearts to receive the word that is like a seed of life planted within our soul. And God, that you would water that word through the power of your Holy Spirit. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to help open up our understanding, to put away all of our thoughts, preconceived ideas. And God, that we would believe your word today. I pray that you would anoint me to preach the word that you've given me. We give you this time and we honor you and bless you in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. The title of my message to you this morning is Graves to Gardens. Graves to Gardens. Now, I want for a minute just for you to picture this. The passage we just read of the account of Jesus rising from the dead, his resurrection in his life, it leaves out a little detail that the Gospel of John inserts in, in John chapter 19, verse 31, which says this, that now it was a preparation day and the next day was the Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want, well, that's not the right verse. Uh, let, me, let me give you the right verse. Um, it's John 19, 41, and it says this, now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and, and in a garden by the tomb. So I want you to get this picture this morning, because I think, I think this is important for us to, to put ourselves there in the place of, of the Marys that went to the grave. In, in the tomb, in the grave, the grave represented what sin did to Jesus. Jesus took on the sin of the world, and because of it, he had to be crucified as the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. He gave his life as a sacrifice. He even said, nobody takes my life from me. I willfully lay it down. And in doing so, he took on your sin and my sin so that we wouldn't have to stay in the grave. That he would remove all fear of what would happen on that day. I was thinking about how ironic is it that today's Easter and tomorrow's tax day, <laughs> right? Like there's only two things certain in life, death and what? Taxes. <laughs> and that's a harsh reality, but, but even during that crazy COVID season, 
I think it was a reminder to all of us that we're really not in control of our life. That at any moment, the harsh reality that we are human and that someday we are going to pass from this life to the next. And for a lot of us, we live of the fear of the unknown. And even more so for those of us who know that someday because we are born again, we're going to be with Jesus forever, there can be a fear of the future. That I know where my future in eternity lies, but I don't know where my future lies in a month or two months or three months or six months down the road. And so you have this, this grave and it's set by a garden. In the grave, you have death. In the grave, you have darkness. In the grave, you have decay. And this, this is representative of the spiritual death that sin, sin brings into our life. And that separation from the very life of God that that sin brings. But it also represents, even for those of us who have been and had this experience, I love that Jesus told Nicodemus, he says, you must be born again. You, in other words, you must come into new life. Like Nicodemus was trying to understand spiritual things and he was talking to Jesus and Jesus told him this important principle. So the only way that you're gonna be able to see what I'm doing and the only way you're gonna be able to understand spiritual things is that your spirit has to be reborn. And so in the grave, we have spiritual death and separation. But when we receive Jesus and believe in him, our spirit comes alive and we're able to step out of that grave into a garden. The garden represents life. The garden represents oxygen. The, the garden represents beauty. There's beauty in the garden. There, there's, I mean, it smells good. I, mean, I can't imagine the stench of decay and death in the grave. But I love the picture of the beauty of the garden. And even just, you ever, you ever go, I remember one time um, I was in Portland and we went up, there's, there's a rose garden in Portland up, set up on the hill. And I remember just getting out of the car and seeing the rows and rows of roses and the fragrance that hits you when you walk out. Life is in the air. It's, I mean, it makes you, there's something about it that just makes you come alive. The beauty that you see in all of it. And so here you have a grave representing death, darkness, and decay. And over here, right outside the tomb, right outside the grave, you have a garden full of life and, and beauty and vision. And I think this represents the two choices that, that you and I get to make every day. And the reality that the resurrection of Jesus is an invitation for us to step out of the things that are killing us spiritually and step into the life that Jesus has for you and for me. And, and this reality, uh, Jesus brought to light when he said it himself in John 10.10. He said that there is this thief, an enemy of our soul, and he has a plan for you. He's got a purpose, and he wants to keep you in the grave. He wants to keep your life, you wasting your life on dead things. The Bible calls it futility. Futile. Futile things are things that, that are, are, are worthless. They don't, at the end of the day, they don't mean anything. There's, there's really no purpose in it. I, I was thinking about this, and I think in the 21st century, in 2022, have we become masters of things that don't really matter? 
how much of life are we really living and how much of life are we really wasting? I, I heard this quote and I love it. It said, on Good Friday, our enemy thought that he had buried Jesus, but he only planted a seed. He planted a seed of life, but it looked like death. See, seeds have potential in them. Your life has potential in them. The words of God have potential in you, but it's what we do with that potential. I heard another quote from uh, one of my favorite authors, Mark Batterson. He said, uh, potential is God's gift to us. What we do with our potential is our gift back to God. And for many of us, we have this potential of life, but there's also a harsh reality that we can be in the living dead, the walking dead. In John 10, he says, the thief comes to steal. We have an enemy that wants to steal the word of God. In fact, we could be in a service like this and we could hear God speak to us and we could say yes and we could get so touched and we could leave Easter service and we could do nothing with it. And that seed, that God of potential that plants in your heart, it can die out. And that's exactly what the enemy of your soul wants to do. He wants to crowd it out. In fact, there's a parable of the seed of the sower where Jesus, he, he taught this with a picture. He said, he said, my word is like a seed. He's like, but it, it starts to get planted in your heart, but then the cares of this world choke it out. Things that don't really matter choke it out. We, have we become masters of things that don't matter? And then he says this, Jesus contrasting, the thief comes to steal and when he steals the word of God, he knows that the word of God that brings life to you, if he could rob you from that, it will slowly kill your spiritual life and ultimately destroy the purpose for which you were created. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and not just any life. I want to give you an abundant life. I want you to experience life to the full. I want you to experience my resurrection life because it isn't just about Easter isn't just about celebrating the resurrection it is about celebrating the person of Jesus because he said himself I am the resurrection and the life I am the resurrection and the life and so Easter is an invitation for you and to me to step out of the grave the places where we are dead spiritually where we are in a dark place where we can't see things clearly or straight and we lose purpose and vision for our life and in doing so our spiritual life is slowly decaying and step out of the grave into a garden where Jesus invites us to walk with him do you know that Jesus reversed the curse think about it in the beginning life started in a garden and there was unbroken fellowship the Bible says that they walked together in the cool of the day and God said, you're free to eat off any of the trees in, in the garden. You're free um, to eat off the tree of life, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat of it, you will what? You will surely die. Now, did they die physically? No, they didn't die physically. But what they did do is they died spiritually. And now Jesus took our sin and the curse of Adam, there's a scripture that says, in Adam all die, but in Christ all what? Live. And so now Jesus went into a grave to restore us back to the garden, to restore back what was lost because what sin had killed and broken. 
I was, um, I was reading this article that was interesting to me, and the article was called The Dead Zone. The Dead Zone. And now there's a movie. I don't recommend you go Googling that and go watching that movie. But, but The Dead Zone, in 2021, they noticed this uh, phenomena in the Gulf of Mexico in about a 6,000-mile uh, radius around Texas all the way through the coast of Louisiana where all of a sudden fish started dying, going belly up. And, and researchers were dumbfounded. What is, what's happening? What's going on? Why are these uh, fish dying? So after, after doing some research and testing the waters, what they found was that, um, you know, that the Mississippi, there's all the rivers in the Midwest, they are tributaries that funnel into the Mississippi River, and the Mississippi River funnels into the Gulf of Mexico. And what they found is that um, where there was um, fertilizer on farms and uh, pesticides to help try to make things grow so that we can eat food and stuff, some of the runoff from all of that became toxic and toxins were getting released into the water and it was just a little bit, but when you bring all of that together into one river and it was dumping into the Gulf of Mexico, it created this phenomenon called hypoxia which is where um, the, the, the nutrients from all those chemicals and poisons started creating this algae that would die and suck the oxygen out of the water, creating this hypoxic situation where the oxygen levels became so low that fish could not live anymore in that environment. And I was thinking about how many of us, we allow little toxins into our life and we don't think they're that deadly but a little bit here and a little bit there and eventually they poison our spiritual life and we are slowly dying we don't realize it just like those fish didn't realize that there wasn't enough oxygen in the water so they stayed in it it's a slow process and they were slowly dying and they didn't even realize it and I believe for many of us if we're not careful we could find ourselves in a dead zone spiritually where we are not getting enough of the life of God. We're getting too much of the world. We're getting too much of sin. And we're allowing things that don't really matter kill what matters most, our spiritual life. And so Jesus himself saying, I am the resurrection and I am the life is an invitation for you and for me on this Easter Sunday to step out of the areas in our life that are keeping us dead spiritually and are killing us and robbing us of the vision and the life that God has for us and step back into the garden where we're in fellowship with him and we're enjoying this beautiful relationship. Do you understand that this isn't a religion? We don't celebrate Easter because it's a religious thing. We celebrate Easter because it's an invitation into relationship. And so... I've got uh, a couple things for you that I believe if we're going to step out of the grave and into a garden that we need to do. And the first one is this. We need to step out in faith. We need to step out in faith. Everything, our, our spiritual life begins with faith. It begins when you start believing, and you have to believe this, that your life apart from God, separated from God, has no meaning. It's dead. Like, like before I met Jesus, my life wasn't going anywhere. It was, it was a dead end. 
I was, I was trying to create a life for myself, but really it, it wasn't going anywhere. It, it, was, it was dead. The Bible calls this dead works. I was trying to be a good person, trying to do good things, trying to enjoy my life. And yet the reality was, is that I was dead spiritually. It, it was killing me. And all of us, we have to get to a point where we recognize what we're doing isn't working. What we're doing isn't producing the kind of life that Jesus offers you and me. And, and once we get to that place, we have to do something the Bible says called repentance. Repentance is changing our minds. It literally means that I was going one way and I recognize the way that I'm going is a dead end. It's leading me into a grave, spiritually speaking. And when I recognize that, and I recognize that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and I choose to believe him for my life, I turn to him and I choose to step out in faith out of that grave into the life that God has for me. But here's the problem for many of us. We think faith is just believing something. In other words, for many of us, we come to Easter and we believe, we call ourselves Christians, and we believe that Jesus was who he said he was. We believe that he was crucified for our sins. He died, he was buried, and he rose again, but we don't live like it. Faith, I'm here to tell you this morning, is not just about what we say we believe, it's about changing the way we live. And by changing, if we're going to allow the Spirit of God to change the way we live, we actually have to not only believe what God says is true, but we have to start living like it. And the way we do that is we put it into action in our life. In fact, most people believe, I told my church this a week or two ago, that if you hear the truth of God spoken and within 24 to 48 hours, if you don't do something with it, it will die out. This is why when you leave here today, I want to encourage you, maybe on Easter night, you need to go back tonight before you go to bed and just write down maybe in your phone, take some notes, what is God speaking to you? And then ask him, what do you want me to do with it? Because it's not about just what you believe and hearing truth and saying amen. It's about now stepping out in faith and putting it into action in your life. So for some of you, that might mean instead of coming to Easter once a year, you start coming to church every week or every other week. But take a step of faith. Maybe for you, it's, it's opening that, that Bible that's been collecting dust next to your bed that you haven't opened for a long time and brushing it off and cracking it open and start getting truth in you and life in you. The, my, my Bible says that, that there is life in the word of God, that there's spirit. In fact, when, when they were gonna leave Jesus at one point, Peter said, where else would we go? Master, you have the words of life. So when we read the Bible, we're just not reading words. We're actually reading life. Life is getting in us. So maybe for some of you, that means uh, you're, you're getting a, a Bible study or a small group, and you need to be around people. This is the beauty of the church. Do you know that the church is God's greenhouse? It's where the seeds that he plants in you grow. He created the church, and, and this, isn't, this isn't a promotion for Hope Church. There's a lot of great churches in this valley, but here's, here's what I want to tell you. As a, as a pastor of one of those churches, you need to get planted somewhere in faith, believing that God is calling you to be a part of a church because when you're called to be a part of a church, you get planted in the greenhouse and that's how you grow spiritually. James said it beautifully in James 2, 7, 17. He said, in the same way, he said, faith by itself, 
if not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. If you don't do something with what God is speaking to you, if you don't do something with the word of God, if you don't activate it in your life, if you're not taking steps of faith to what God is. So what is God speaking to you right now? What is he telling you to do? Write it down and then start taking steps towards it. Maybe he's calling some of you uh, to go home and pour out a bottle. Maybe he's calling some of you to go home and dump out some pills. Maybe he's calling some of you to, to text uh, somebody who you're in relationship with and cut it off. But he's telling you, he's going to tell you something. He wants you to take a step of faith. That's the beginning of coming out of the grave. You got to believe God and step out in faith, which leads me to my next point, is that we have to remember his word. His words bring life. Words, the words of God, the Bible, the word of God, there's two different kinds of words. Uh, there is the Bible, the logos, the written word of God, the Holy Spirit breathed, inspired word of God. And then there is the rhema word. The rhema word is the Holy Spirit inspired. That's why you could be reading the logos and God will speak to you in a rhema word through the logos. Or you could be in a, in a service like this and I'll say something and the Holy Spirit will speak to your spirit. But many of us, the problem is, is that we don't, we know the word or we've heard the word or God spoke something to us a while ago and we've never put it into action in our life and so it died out. Look, when, when Mary, when the Marys came to the tomb, I thought it was interesting that they weren't expecting Jesus to be risen. Why is that? How many times do we come to church and we don't expect something when God already spoke he was gonna do something? But our expect, we, we can miss what God is doing because we don't remember his word. And in not remembering his word, we miss an opportunity to connect with him into the life that he wants to lead you and I into. But it blew me away in verse 8 when the angels are like, why are you so surprised? He's not here. He's risen just like he told you he would. But for some reason, it says that they forgot his words and they had to remember what he said. How many of you here today that God spoke something to you that you've forgotten about? That there's life in it? Some of you, God spoke prophetically. Some, some of you, uh, you came to a service like this and somebody came up to you and said, I feel like God saying this to you. Some of you, you've read the Bible. Maybe it was a long time ago that God spoke something to you. And when he spoke it to you, it gave you life, but you didn't see the fruit of it right away. And so it died out. It didn't produce life. Can I tell you that words are like a seed? They have potential, but they have to be planted. And when they're planted, they're planted in the dark. And that's the problem. There's a season between the planting, the sowing, and the reaping, the realizing of the life that God spoke through that word. And what ties the two together is faith in action. I got to do something with it. And here's the problem. Because we don't remember his word, we lose sight of what he's trying to do in our life. And for a lot of us, this is, this is a problem because we can't see what God is doing. And we get into these dark seasons where we get stuck in a grave and we lose our vision and we lose our purpose in life because your purpose is connected to your vision. Proverbs 29, 18 puts it perfectly when it says where there is no vision in other words when I can't see clearly 
God's plan and purpose for my life, it says the people are unrestrained. Now, King James Version, I like it better. It says the people perish. Can I tell you to you in Lance Danik Version, when you lose sight of God's plan for your life, you begin a process of slowly dying. And for many of us, we end up in a grave where our life is, is void of purpose and meaning, and because of it, life itself. And I believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ and this Easter is an invitation to get your vision back, to get your sight back, for God to, to come and remove the spiritual blindness off of some of us, to restore back to us the purpose for which we were created. Do you know in Ephesians 2, 10, it says that you are God's masterpiece, created by God before time, before and in his foreknowledge, when you were in your mother's womb, that there were things that God had planned for you, that you are a masterpiece. That means the, the actual Greek word for that is poema. Like you are a beautiful poem. You're a garden that God is trying to bloom something beautiful out of your life and to lead you into more and more life because of the purpose that he has for you. But we lost sight of that purpose. And when we do, we die a slow death. And so you're not, you may not be dead spiritually, but your hopes are dead. Your dreams start to die out. You start losing vision for your marriage and for your family and for your life, and you get into survival mode where you just start punching a clock Monday through Friday. And, and that, when it says, where there is no vision, the people become unrestrained, that, that word perish, it has the connotation of you get the, you get the case of who cares. I might as well eat, drink, and be merry, and just enjoy my life, because that's all there is. I don't know what else there is, because you need God to give you a fresh vision for your life for which you were created. There's a, there's a in, in Mark chapter 8, there's a miracle that Jesus did, and I believe it's a miracle that God wants to do for you on this Easter. And in that miracle, they bring a blind man to Jesus. And they ask Jesus to touch him. And it's interesting that they ask him to touch him. And instead of touching him to heal him, it says that he takes him outside of the town. Do you know that sometimes you've got you to gotta be removed from the environments that are causing spiritual death in your life in order for you to live? and to see clearly. Some of us, we need to get out of the environment. Some of, some of us need to break off friendships. We need to get out of bars, get out of dead things, get out of graves so that God can impart some fresh vision to us. And he takes them outside the town. And what Jesus does is wild. He hocks a loogie, <laughs> spits in the mud, puts it on his eyes. And I always thought, how strange. Why would Jesus do that? I believe it's to remind us that we want Jesus to touch us in one way, but sometimes he doesn't come in ways that we expect it. He shows up in unexpected ways to do unexpected things. But when we're so caught up on a, a process or a religion or a way of him doing, that's why I don't know if revival is going to look like it did 20 years ago. But if we're waiting for it to happen, just like it did then, we might miss on the new thing that God wants to do. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother message. I don't have time for it because we're almost done. 
Jesus spits and he puts mud on his eyes and he says, can you see now? And he says, I can see a little bit. I can see men walking like trees. In other words, he had some vision, but it wasn't clear. And so Jesus, it says one more time, one more time, one more time, touches his eyes. And on that one more time, he could see perfectly clear. I'm wondering if this Easter 2022 isn't a one more time moment for some of us. That we need the very life of God to come and just put his finger on our eyes. And one more time, God, would you open up my eyes? I've been in a dark place. I don't know how to get out of it. But I know that if you'll open my eyes, and then Jesus tells him after he's healed, don't go back. You came from a place that wasn't living. It was dead. It was keeping you in this grave. And now you can see, but you want to go back to your old life. And this is why we're not experiencing the resurrection life and power that Jesus died to give us is because we've been healed. We've been set free. Our sins are forgiven, but we keep going back to dead things that have no life in them. And that's my last point for you is the more you die, the more you live. It's this paradox, it's a spiritual paradox that, that the more I surrender my idea, see, the disciples almost missed Jesus' resurrection. You read it, they didn't believe it. Peter had to run to the grave. And even after he saw the, the, the burial clothes unwrapped, he was, could this be true? Could God really love me? Can I really experience a life that I really want to have and long to have, but I don't have? And look what it says in verse 5, Luke 24, 5. Why do you look for the living among the dead? How many of us are trying to find life in dead things? How many of us are, are, are in relationships that we know are not bringing life to us. How, how many of us are, are looking at things that aren't bringing life to us, they're bringing spiritual death to us? How many of us are, are spending our life in things that in the end don't really matter? Yeah, I might die with a lot of toys. I might die with the biggest elk uh, on the wall. I might, I might die with a beautiful house. But am I going to live with purpose? So I'll say it like this. There are some things that are dead that God wants to bring to life in you. And there's some things that we're trying to keep alive that need to die. And our, some of us, our spiritual life is, is on life support. I, I like the way uh, one, one person put it. Dr. Charles Crabtree, he, he put it like this. Never put a comma where God puts a period and never put a period where God puts a comma. So there are some things that I believe as we close that God wants to resurrect in your life today that are dead. But I also think there's some things that we have to give to God and allow him to prune so that more life can come.
See, John 15, one says, I am the true vine, meaning Jesus, and the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that what bears no fruit, that has no life in it. While every branch that does have life in it, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful, so that it will have even more life. So, so this, is, this is where some of us are in danger this morning because our life is good. I got a good life. Things are going well. But are they, are they that good that it's actually taking away from the greater that God has for you, the more life that God has for you. So this is the most dangerous place because it looks like life, but there's no life in it. We're looking for the living in a grave instead of a garden. And God says, if you'll just let me come and allow me by the power of the Holy Spirit to just cut some things off your life that are killing you and you don't even realize it. See, part of the pruning process, that's why I brought this rose. And that's why I brought this plant. This plant looks good, right? This is a plant that my assistant bought for me and um, it looks beautiful. You might think that I take very good care of it, but this plant is actually plastic because I don't take good care. I'm not a good horticulturalist or botanist or whatever you call it. I forget to water it. I forget to take care of it. And so I want it to look good. I want it to look healthy. So it's plastic. It's not alive. It's actually really dead. And this is a lot of what our, our lives look like. We come to church and we come to Easter and we get dressed up in our life. We go on Instagram and our life looks good and it looks real. It looks vibrant to everybody else, but there's no life in it. It's dead. It's plastic. Now this is a rose. This rose... Well, I guess it's alive. But the thing about this rose is that the same rose that brings beauty to it is the same rose that has thorns. The same thorns that Jesus wore on his head that were part of what killed him was the thing that actually brought him life. And I wonder, we like, we like our life without thorns. In fact, you know what? I, I tried to buy a rose with thorns and you can't even buy them from a florist because they come pre-pruned with the thorns off of it. Isn't that how we like our life? Just keep the thorns out. We, we want the beauty, but we don't want to have to die to anything for the beauty to come forth, for the life to come forth. And so if we'll just allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on what God wants to prune. There's a lot of good things we could give our life to, but is it the best thing? Is it the thing that's bringing you and leading you more and more into the life that God has for you? I want to tell you a story in closing briefly. Uh, I got saved when I was 19 years old and I was a mess. My life, I was a broken young man full of pain and after I got saved actually before I got saved there was this this man who um, I went to this church because I liked a girl and I went to this youth group and there was a guy in the church who who noticed me and God put me on his heart and so one day I just get a phone call out of the blue from this guy and he says hey I'd love to take you out to lunch and I'm freaking out. I thought, okay, what did I do? I'm in trouble. And I go out to lunch with him and he says, uh, God put you on my heart. I see potential in you. 
and I, I just want to spend time with you and I want to try to help you. And, and I said, okay, sure. And actually, I was fighting back tears in that moment because nobody had seen me. And yet, it reminded me that God sees me when I think nobody else has seen me. When I'm in the darkest place, God sees me in that place. And he used this man and he helped me. I believe he helped me prepare my heart for me receiving Jesus and the life of Jesus. When I gave my, surrender my life to him when I was 19 years old and when I got saved, I got born again, my eyes were opened. I had no vision for my life. It was a dead end, I was going nowhere. Barely made it out of high school, flunked out of my first semester in college and now I have no vision for my life and God opens my heart and he gives me vision. He said, I wanna be like that man who helped me. I wanna become a Christian counselor. And so I went to school for four years to become a Christian counselor but in my senior year God says I don't want you to do that I want you to move to Montana and follow your pastor and their family into this crazy little town called Proctor with a small country church but after four years of doing that there were some things that changed and we felt like God was calling us away from the church and it ushered me into probably the darkest season of my life spiritually speaking I was mad at God. God, I gave up my dream, everything, my, my hope for my life. I lost vision. And I remember I got a phone call one day out of the blue from this, this lady who was like a spiritual mother to me who, who used to pray for me. I hadn't talked to her for years. She somehow got my number. She calls me and I'm in this dark place, man. I'm, I'm sitting in the grave. And she says, I was praying for you and I had this vision. And in this vision, I saw you in, a, in an airplane and you were, you were flying in an airplane, but you had no co-pilot and you didn't realize it, but the plane was heading slowly down and you were gonna crash. He says, that's all I got for you. <laughs> you figure it out. <laughs> like, thanks. But what it did is, is a, it was a word of God. And the Lord through that spoke to me that I was slowly dying spiritually and I was headed for a crash. But God used that word to give me fresh vision again. And I started a Bible study with a few men, three other guys, and we started meeting and we started praying together. We started reading the word of God together and my heart started to come alive. And then I started to dream again. And I started to lead men in this church as the men's ministry leader. And I stepped into that and God gave me a bigger vision and opened the door. And I would never be here today speaking to you if I hadn't let the dream that I thought I had die so that God could bring to life what he had. So I want you to just close your eyes right now as we close. And I wanna ask you, how many of you here that when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, though he dies, he'll live forevermore. And though he lives believing he shall never die, do you believe this? Maybe your journey begins here today on Easter Sunday where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the very first time. You say, I surrender. I died in my way of living because it's not working so that I can receive the life that you have for me every head bowed and eye closed I just want to ask you if that's you this is your moment where you get to step out of that grave 
and into the life that God has. If you want to receive Jesus and become born again, would you just slip up your hand? Would you just put your hand up? Put it up real high. Right now, God bless you, sir. God bless you. Thank you for your courage. Anyone else? This is your moment. Some of you in the room that maybe you had, God bless you, I see your hand, that maybe at once you had a vibrant, life-giving relationship with God, but you've wandered away from it. And you're getting into that dead zone. And today is the day that God is calling you back into his life and into your, the purpose for which he has for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Say, Pastor Lance, that's me. God bless you. 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 For the rest of us, I wonder if today is the day that we allow God to just prune some things off our life, to let him die so his life could come forth. What is it that is holding you back from the life that God has? I want to pray, pray this prayer all together as we close and we have one final song. And I want to go out of this place into that resurrection life that God has for us. If you raise your hand, and even if you didn't, I want all of us to pray this prayer. Let's pray it together. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I surrender my life so that I can have your life. Would you forgive me of all my sin? make it white as snow I give you my life I ask you to give me fresh vision as I follow you I believe you are the son of God who takes away the sin of the world today I put my faith and trust in you in Jesus name amen 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 now would you stand to your feet as we worship Jesus together. And I want to pray for you. Father, I, I pray for every single person here. Holy Spirit, would you just put your finger on areas that are dead in our lives so that we could come to new life and we would step out of the grave into the garden that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name.